This is the Athletic Football Show's Prospects to Pros. Hello and welcome to Prospects to Pros. I am your host, Nate Tice. Today, we're going to be covering week one of the college football action. Who fired the first shots in the battle for QB3? Who else stood out Labor Day weekend? Uh, who we're going to keep an eye on for week two of college football? And actually, NFL perhaps, because this is pros and the Prospects to Pros. And maybe some rookie award selections at the end of this episode. So, to lead us to the prospect promised land, it's a man who looked like Christmas came early. Especially when I was texting up throughout the last week. It's Dane Brugler. How are you doing today, Dane? How are you doing after this like lovely weekend? Barbecue and college football, isn't that like your two favorite things probably? <laughs> yeah, it sums it up, yeah. With apologies to my kids. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's, <laughs> the, the first week, Labor Day weekend is so much fun for college football because it's five straight days of uh, overreactions and things that, you know, we'll definitely regret saying a month from now. And you know what? But it's fun. Let's live it up in the moment. The Colorado discussion, I, we're going to get into oh that goodness. quite a bit, uh, but yeah, the, it was it was a ton of fun. Just uh, yeah, with food, football. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, I I start measuring myself. Maybe if actually a few years being into this, I, I've realized okay, let's let it loose a little bit earlier in the season. Like I always try to be guarded, <laughs> so it's like I don't, I don't want to be you know right, exposed right. in a couple of weeks. But it's like whatever, they're going to find you anyway. So just let it <laughs> let it rip. Exactly. Um, uh, some bit of sad news, though, in really the scouting industry and the football industry is Gil Brandt passed away at 91 years old. Uh, he was an absolute legend. I had the pleasure of getting to meet him, meet him once over the years, and he remembered everything about my dad as a prospect from the early 80s, which still blew, <laughs> blows my mind to this day. Yeah. Um, Dane, I know you have a, a, a relationship, a great relationship, or had one with Brandt. Uh, anything you want to share or speak on uh, about like a legendary person, a legendary career, and really what seems like a great man? Oh, I mean, he was, yeah, revolutionary in scouting. You can't tell the story of the NFL without his contributions. I mean, it's why he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and there have been many stories written over the last week. I hope everybody reads uh, that really show how much he's done for the league. I got to know Gil first about 10 years ago, and it got to the point where we were on the phone 15 times a week between January and April, uh, you know, thousands of phone calls, just stories, information, just little nuggets, things that filled the draft guide. Uh, he loved the process so much, and it, he was very upset if he was not the first to receive uh, his copy printed out uh, and overnighted uh, of the beast. Uh, so that was always a priority for me once I was done. I, you know, One of my favorite things about my relationship with Gil, he was unofficially in charge of sending out the invites to the actual draft to the players. And so he, 20, 25 guys, he looked to invite. And so he would call me after the combine and we would vet all the players. And I would tell him, yeah, no, this, this guy needs to be on there. He needs to be invited or, you know, I'm not sure about this one. He could slip a little bit. And it was a really fun part of the process for me uh, that I really couldn't talk about publicly until now. Uh, but we did it every year and it was, it was really cool. Uh, you know, so Christian Wilkins, if you're listening, you're welcome because, uh, you, you were not going to be invited, but, uh, you know, I fought for you. You're a top 10 player on my board in that draft 2019, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, pounded the table, uh, convinced Gil, you need to be invited and you were there. Uh, and yeah, I think you've definitely lived up to it. So, but no, that, that's just one of the many memories I'll have of, of Gil and, uh, you know, everything that, you know, he, he, he brought to my, my scouting education that, uh, you know, definitely a mentor for me over the years. Yeah. That, and that's what he came across. And like I said, it was just one meeting for me. And that's exactly what it was. The memory and just love of the game. 
And it's just, and, and that's what it is. Like you said, love the process of it all. And that's what it is. Yeah. The NFL season, college football season, the NFL draft, there is something, you know, it's a schedule. And it's like, you really set your clock to it. And some people enjoy that. And some people complain about it. And he just seemed like he loved every minute of it to just obsess yeah. over these guys and what they can become. You know, rest in peace. Honestly, everyone that I've ever talked to about him is just told stories like you just did incredible detail incredible love of the game and just yeah just we're gonna miss him and and like kent garrison our our producer talked about before the show he's a cowboys fan talked about to be you know in the ring of honor for the dallas cowboys is saying something (laughs) and that's especially if you're just a personnel not just say quote unquote just a personnel guy but someone that maybe did not have the titles that a lot of a lot of other guys get into the ring of honor so honestly a legend of the game and yeah he will be missed uh, but going on to next year's draft, speaking of talking about prospects, is the quarterback three discussion is something that's going to really quarterback one and two as well. It's going to hang over the season. I mean, really up until probably late April <laughs> as we go through this process, because there's really it's a good problem because there's just so many interesting and fun quarterbacks to talk about. But when you think of the quarterback three discussion after Labor Day weekend, weekend after week one of college football, who stood out to you, Dane, or who did you find interesting or maybe who took a little tail end, who, who stepped back a little bit or you have some more question marks about after the first week of college football action? Man, this this quarterback three conversation, it really could be just a weekly segment for us. Uh, yeah, you know, we just kind of check in and see how the race is going. Um, I, so I I felt better. I know it was East Carolina, but I feel better about my J.J. McCarthy at, at quarterback three preseason ranking. Uh, I feel better about it now than I did, you know, a week ago. Uh, he was dealing. Uh, he he ripping throws to every level. The coverage didn't matter. Uh, he was putting the ball where his guys could go make plays, showed off the athleticism. I, again, it's the traits and intangibles that have me so bullish on him. And then, you know, we'll see throughout the season. Can he continue to take those positive steps? Uh, Saturday, definitely one of those positive steps for him as a passer. Um, but, you know, we got to talk about Shadur, Shadur Sanders. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm eager to get your, uh, your, your take on what you saw Saturday. Um, you know, I, I think a few things are important to point out with, with uh, the conversation with Shadur Sanders right now. First, it's not like he came out of nowhere. Okay, he right. was highly recruited. Um, he was twenty three and three as a starter at Jackson State the last two years, and he was my number six quarterback uh, in the rankings this summer. So it's not like he was off the radar, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, he's someone we need to talk about this weekend. Uh, the other thing too, I think, is worth mentioning out. Just you know, kind of preface the conversation about what happened, what we saw on Saturday, TCU's defense, probably one of the worst Colorado is going to see this season. Uh, yeah. That and Sean Lewis, the play caller deserves a ton of credit. Uh, you know, just that's the, what stood out to me, man. Yeah. The game plan. He was cooking. The game plan was, was awesome. Uh, I mean, TCU looked like they were running in circles with all that said, Sanders was really, really impressive uh, in, in his debut. And I did a film room on The Athletic uh, that you can check out right now. Uh, it's I, I had a couple All-22 clips that I think really show why we need to take him seriously yes. as an NFL prospect. Uh, he's got a really nice arm, both in terms of velocity and in terms of placement. We saw different types of throws on, uh, on the tape. He was accurate when he was asked to drive it. He was accurate when dropping it in, uh, you know, some of those bucket deep mm-hmm. shots. Down the field, he's really athletic, but it's not a crutch for him. It's not something that uh, you know he relies on to be productive. It's more of an ace that he has in his back pocket, right. more so than a central part of his game. And so, and the thing that uh, may be most impressive in a game like this, where all the hype coming in, both teams are just 
exchanging haymakers back and forth, it'd be so easy to get really high with your emotions or maybe even a little tight after a mistake. But to me, the most impressive thing about Sanders in that game, the poise for all four quarters. I mean, his heartbeat was not elevated. He was controlled. He was focused. Uh, and, and I mean, obviously his dad was a high level athlete, so maybe it shouldn't be a big surprise, but it was just awesome to see. And so from an evaluation standpoint, Sanders has now set the bar pretty high and mm-hmm. it's going to be important to see the full body of work after we get a few more tapes. I'm not, I'm not sure Sanders is going to face a truly legit defense all year. And, and that's a criticism that we're going to say about. All of these Pac-12 quarterbacks, Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, Bo Nix. Um, but, you know, Colorado's got Nebraska this weekend. And then they have Oregon and USC later this month, back-to-back week. So it's going to be a lot of fun to track his progress going forward. Yeah, he was a very pleasant to watch, what you're saying, with the accuracy. Um, especially underneath, and this speaks to Sean Lewis, is that that was the biggest worry I think everyone has with Colorado is not only just, you know, all the transfers that they have is the offensive line, how it's kind of patchwork. He, Sean Lewis showed a great understanding of what that offensive line was. It was a lot of quick game, getting the ball out, but I thought Sanders over and over and over was showing good timing on everything. Good ball in his hands, found a target and let it rip and put it with good placement. I think there was a dig throw as well. I was starting to go like, all right, you're going to push the ball a little bit. And as the game opened up a little bit and he got kind of, push to do that some of those guys were running wide open which is great and then somewhere he was putting some nice throws on there the deep balls there should have been a couple more deep yep. balls that were completed um that would have probably even added to his fantastic stat line uh what you're talking about with the kind of didn't use his athletic ability that's actually what surprised me too is that he was really trying not to like get into creation mode he was like no i am operating from the pocket like hell or high water i'm sitting back here and going through my reads so that is what i'll just be curious to see is like can he get into that creation mode and i i would assume yes but i just gotta see it especially what you're saying going against maybe fbs fbs quality opponents but yeah he was a very pleasant surprise i i Watching him operate that offense and what you're saying with the poise, they didn't have any, you know, um, pre-snap penalties, procedural penalties, like as far as that stood out as like bad moment ones, where I was watching other quarterbacks with a lot more starts with offensive lines, more veteran offensive lines going through those issues. And that's kind of, that was surprising to me as well. It was, they coached their asses off on both sides of the ball. But again, just want to see more. And I, but that was as Big of a first step forward in this race that any of these guys took. So it, that was really, really like just interesting to watch. Any other players in that, that game stood out to you? That uh, Colorado TCU game? The the big tight end for TCU was interesting. Uh, Jared Wiley. That yeah. guy is that guy's a monster. <laughs> um, he's a good looking, player. Yeah. He's a good player. That was the one that really stood out to me. Of course, Travis Hunter. Uh, but that he's I said, not we got to talk about Travis Hunter, right? I know. We I have mean, to, though, right? It was, oh my God. Even though he's not draft eligible, but I mean... What he's doing is, and, and he like, lived he up to his five star, yeah, <laughs> former five star guy. Like he, yeah. he, he was a guy that was supposed to be this good. He just happened to go to Jackson State for a year, and then now at Colorado. I, okay, I'm really eager to get your uh, opinion on just the snap count and okay. how that, like, if you have any experience seeing a guy do this. Because so, according to PFF, he played a total of 152 snaps against TCU. 65 on offense, 80 on defense, seven on special teams. And there wasn't once where he was hurting his team uh, by being gassed or not going full speed. I mean, we saw Jabril Peppers do this a little bit, all three yep. phases a couple of years ago. Uh, or I mean, a couple of years ago, like more like almost a decade ago. Right. Chris Gamble at Ohio Chris State. Chris Gamble's was the, the one. That's what he's the one. Yeah. That 
the last true two-way player that I remember watching. Uh, he was a first-round pick. Um, I, I've been trying to think how to contextualize how crazy it is to play 152 snaps in a game. So I went back, and two years ago, Penn State and Illinois played a nine-overtime game. Okay. It was the first in the history of college football to go past seven overtimes. It, it was it's basically the game that forced the college the football to change their overtime rules because it was just ridiculous. Not, almost, it's not the Jared Lorenzen game against Arkansas when he was just dragging against Matt Jones. That's the one that always stands right. out to me in seven OTs, and they didn't oh change gosh. it then. <laughs> the, yeah, the LSU A&M seven-overtime thriller. Yeah, yeah. there have been some classics for sure. Uh, yeah. But in that nine-overtime game, the player with the most snaps in that game was an offensive lineman with 106 snaps. 106. 106. That's almost 50 fewer than what Hunter did in a four-quarter game against TCU. So it's just obviously it can't last yeah. the full season, right? I mean, it's just it'll be really fascinating to see how they use him moving forward. But I mean, in your experience, do you remember any seeing anything like this uh, where a guy's playing almost triple-digit snaps, playing both ways, not coming off the field, and still being that effective? Not that effective. And like usually the guy on offense is he is a gadget guy. It's like he's in for those. Right. It was Dion when he was with the Cowboys or, or right. you know, other guys that have been like defense. It's usually defense first or Charles Woodson, you know, defense first. Okay. And then you're five, 10 plays on offense. Okay. Where you're absolutely getting the ball or you yeah. are the defense. That was Triple Peppers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he was in a full time offensive guy, but yeah. But it's on offense. Dozen snaps, tops, yeah. you know, and, and specialist role and a, a very a gadgety type of role. And not like this where it's full time. I, I don't remember it. Chris Gamble might be the only one. And but again, I think they kind of rotated him on offense. So it's always a defensive first type of player. Um, because a little bit who who would have been in the NFL? Like uh uh Brown, uh Troy Brown, uh what's his name with yeah. the Patriots? That's right. that yeah, that um who's now a coach there. One. That that would be one I've seen the NFL, and they actually have another guy in Jones. Uh, there, Marcus Jones, there, who's kind of mm-hmm. doing the same thing: DB, special teams, and is sprinkling it offense. But I actually, my question to you, I but to answer your question, have not really seen it at to that level, other than maybe they're playing some FCS opponent to start the start the year. Not to that in a big game, week one, gotta have it. And I think that's kind of how he's going to be used because I don't think it's sustainable for a whole season. I, don't, I mean, he's an unbelievable athlete, but it's just. 150 snaps is 150 snaps. <laughs> that is a lot of, of, of bruising, and he's a fantastic athlete and everything. I actually was going to ask you, do you see him as a DB or as a receiver at this point in time? Because I I, I know he got recruited more as a DB, uh, yeah. but it wasn't really like the receiver part I was too negative on. <laughs> I thought I thought both aspects he was a plus-plus player at, but I, just right now in September 5th, 2023, a year and a half before he's even draft eligible, do you see him more as like a DB or receiver type just off of experience? If we have to pick one, I think it's definitely corner. You know, yeah. if you have to pick one. Um, but I there's no reason why NFL teams won't look at him both ways and say, right? you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But I think for the most part, it will be on defense. He 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 has just a, a really instinctive nature for to go get the ball. I mean, we saw with that interception at the goal line. I mean, it was it was crazy. So yeah, this is a a player that uh, has the athletic traits, has the instincts, has the mental makeup to really be a stud uh, at at cornerback. So when we Champ Bailey did it a little bit, where he yeah. played both ways at Georgia. That's so right. It, you know, I, I think he's more in that Champ Bailey mold, uh, where I think defensive first, but. Heck, I mean, I don't know that that after a few more weeks, I could change my mind. I know. That's uh, he was making plays on offense, no doubt. Uh, yeah, he's running fantastic routes. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, 
But getting back to the the QB three race, uh, any other quarterbacks that, that you want to touch on? I I got like a little short list. I thought it was gonna be a short list. It turned out to be like a dozen guys. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. You can, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. I mean, do that you speaks like, to the quarterbacks? The, the, it does. the potential of this quarterback class. It's it is really really bonkers. And I, I was actually I was, I was trading text with a guy in the league this morning, and we were talking about how if you're in the NFL right now and you're a quarterback you better be good this year because yeah. there's a lot of guys coming. You know, it's it's always the case, you know, where if you're not good enough, teams are going to look to have an upgrade. But mm-hmm. the the supply of quarterbacks coming is really, really impressive. And so, you know, Desmond Ritter, if you're, mm-hmm. you know, guys that have a chance to snatch that job, you better do it this year. Um, and so it, it, it will be fascinating to see. I think – you know, Michael Penix at Washington had a great day. Yep. Uh, Joe Milton, Tennessee, showed off that ridiculous arm. Oh maybe it sounds hyperbole, but it's it may be the most powerful arm I've, I've ever seen. It's uh, it, him it is and like it's Ryan Mallett, impressive. like it, it, it's I, yeah. I'm trying to think. It's, it, it's crazy. <laughs> it is. It, it's up there. Whatever yeah. it is, it's in the top three that I've ever seen. Um, Spencer Rattler, he, he didn't get much help against North Carolina, but yeah. I thought he played well for the most part. Uh, Michael Pratt looked awesome at Tulane. He looked great. Yeah, Shout he, out Greg he was, Rosenthal, by the way. He's he's too lame, guy. He's been bugging me. He's like, nice. what do you think about Pratt? What do you think about Pratt? And I was like, all right, oh, I'll watch him. Pratt's, it, it, good. The crazy thing about Pratt is he is not a lock to be one of the first seven, eight, nine, ten yeah. quarterbacks drafted. But that just that's the depth of this quarterback class because yeah. he absolutely has what it takes to be in the NFL. Um, he against uh, South Alabama, he was fourteen of fifteen, four yeah. touchdowns. His one incompletion was a drop. So, I mean, this guy, the, the, really the only thing keeping him from having a perfect day was he had a fumble uh, on, on a sack where he held the ball maybe a little bit too long, uh, but otherwise that it smoked, was just an yeah. outstanding, outstanding game. Uh, Jordan Travis, uh, yeah. Florida State quarterback, had a few few YOLO plays that uh, you know, maybe give you a little pause, but he's got a little Heineke in that. him. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's what he is. He's got some he Heineke does. in him. That's yeah. how I kind of compare him to him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, but I, I mean, he he's in the Heisman race. I mean, with everything he yeah. did, he's got Florida State, uh, especially after good. watching Clemson. Uh, you know, he's got a chance to lead Florida State to the playoffs, uh, especially with those weapons. We'll talk about some of those weapons later. But yeah. uh, speaking of ACC, we got to talk about Riley Len- uh, Riley Leonard, who I love. I mean, <laughs> anyone who's been paying attention to prospects of pros, to, or, or to just either of us, you follow us on yeah. Twitter, whatever. If you've heard us talk. Uh, about these quarterbacks, we've mentioned Riley Leonard, uh, mm-hmm. it, how he is a legit NFL prospect, someone in contention for that QB3 spot. He debuted, I think, at number 29 on my top 50 draft board. That's fair. So, fair. you know, a guy that's in that first, late first uh, discussion, yep. he just led Duke to one of the biggest wins in school history uh, Monday night over Clemson. So more, a lot more people know who Riley Leonard is today compared to, uh, you know, a couple of days ago. And, Honestly, it wasn't even that great of a game for Riley Leonard uh, throwing the football. I I realized the bandwagon's a little more full this morning. Honestly, I was a little underwhelmed. Uh, I I feel like I'm being that guy, but so, and I'll be eager to see if you agree uh, with what you saw. Because he was awesome as a runner. That's that's, that's, There's no question about that. But this morning, I I sat down, watched the tape, charted every one of his throws, uh, and... I, I I don't know. I just, there wasn't a ton. There wasn't one pass that you can point to in that game that could get you excited. That's, uh, of the, that's, that's se- where I'm at. Yeah. It, there were 17 completions uh, of the 17 passes he completed. How many do you think were 10 yards or more in the air? 
Zero. <laughs> completed? I was going to say one because I- No, not a single uh, one. I know he threw about five inside fades he missed. <laughs> yeah, so. well, that's it. 13 of his completions were within five yards of the line of scrimmage. The other four were between six and 10 yards. So not including throwaways, okay? He was over five on attempts over 10 yards. Four were inaccurate throws where he sailed the ball. Yep. One was just really good coverage. So, I mean, 78% of Duke's passing yards came after the catch. I mean, there were a lot of you know, dump-off screens, design screens, um, you know, wide receiver screens, quick throws. And, you know, that's all well and good. Obviously, it worked for that Duke offense, and it was yep. enough to get the win. Um, but uh, basically what I'm getting at is, yeah, let's be excited about Riley Leonard. Um, I Again, pound for pound, he's one of the best athletes playing quarterback in all of college football. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was an all-state basketball player in high school, a legit triple triple jumper uh, in track. So he's got the pedigree of a big-time athlete, and that manifests itself on the football field. Yeah. That 44-yard touchdown that he had was just a thing of art. Um, but, you know, let's – based on what he did last year, based on the athlete and competitor we saw Monday night, again, easy to be excited about Riley Leonard – Still some key questions that he needs to yes. answer as a passer, and we didn't get a chance to see that against Clemson. The questions remain the same. That's that's yeah. how I feel about him. I He was my quarterback three going into this process, and everything I was high on him about, which is underneath accuracy and athleticism, yeah, I feel about the same. And then everything that I had question marks about, whether they push the ball, whether he can stand in there and move as opposed to looking to scramble. He played exactly the same as he did last year. Again, this is week one. That's why you have to see these guys, especially the, so many of these quarterbacks are so young now that you know we really have to see how they look in November and and the bowl game and all that just to see once they get more starts. But I, I totally agree with you. I was I I, was, I had so many people text me. They're like, "Your guy, your guy's stepping up. Look at him." And I was like, "Yeah, but he hasn't like he his success rate yesterday was or last night was thirty nine percent, which was lower than what Kate Klubnick finished with." That mm. so, and people are roasting Cade Klubnik right now, yeah. who like was a top recruit coming out of uh, high school as well. But it was, it wasn't throwing the ball. He didn't really, he did have some nice kind of timing throws underneath, but this is the Duke offense. It's a lot of quick game, it's a lot of screens, some movement throws, which is good for Riley Leonard. That he's all good at that, but it's like, but to be an NFL guy, a guy you truly label as a and a first round pick, a true first round pick is you got to complete those dig balls, the intermediate balls yes. over and over again, because that's what you're asked to do at the NFL level. You can't live in quick games. So like I said, still, I kind of feel exactly the same on him as I did a week right. ago, as a month ago. It's just that he's still the same question marks I had on him. that kind of remained the same. Uh, actually, in that game, were there any other uh, uh, Duke or Clemson players that stood out to you? I know, you know, Barton, the left tackle, he seemed to have a fine game. Haven't watched all 22 yet. Um, but any of the Clemson defenders or, or Will Shipley, the Clemson running back, anyone else that maybe stand out to you outside the quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I, I did think uh, Graham Barton uh, played really well in pass pro. Um, I, I didn't have him uh, giving up a sack, which was good to see. Um, yeah, he does a great job staying controlled, staying balanced in the run game, um, keeps his blocks centered, uh, very smooth in, in his kick slide so he can match that edge speed. Uh, and then with his hands, he's got that strong, st- uh, stubborn grip. So uh, I thought Barton played really well. Uh, for Clemson, I mean, they've got so many guys on defense, and, and that was – you know, it was great to see what that Duke offense did because they, they were playing a defense with uh, five, six, seven, eight future NFL guys. Um, Ruka Rohoro, uh, which is one of the best names in this draft to say. Uh, so he was, <laughs> yeah, or Rohoro. Ro, Ro, Ro. Ro, Ro, yeah. like, 
Yeah, there's like three or four H's in it that you don't actually pronounce. The rural uh, juror. Yeah, <laughs> he's uh, he's legit. He's uh, a guy that didn't play football until his junior year of high school. And he was like 215 pounds. He started at receiver, then tight end. Uh, eventually he moved to the defensive line. And he's just grown into this 300-pound uh, wrecking ball. So really good movement skills for his size. Um, but he also has power. He can create push at the point of attack. Him and uh, Tyler Davis uh, in the yeah. middle were, were pretty good in that game. Uh, the linebackers, uh, they were uh, a little more inconsistent. Barrett Carter, yeah. just you know, he's that big-time athlete, a little undersized, but you sacrifice a little bit of that size for the play speed, uh, the ability, the range, the ability to hold up in coverage. Uh, his tackling power is adequate. Put it that way. Uh, Leonard, Leonard got him once on a, on a scramble. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, that, and that's, that another was, thing, that's another thing. He got Leonard, him in sorry. space. Yeah, in space. Yeah. That long that long run that he had. Carter's the one that had him in the backfield that he was actually awesome. able to get out of that got out of the grasp Leonard and then more uh, Jeremiah Trotter. I even I even gave him credit for like I thought he was just being like right. I, I thought he was just a long strider once he gets to space but he has a little he, he's got some wiggle to make a guy miss it's actually it's he's, very just, surprising. he's really really balanced really yeah uh, you know with his, his contact his, balance yeah yeah it, it's really impressive uh yeah. Jeremiah Trotter he had a few yeah. he, he's a guy just in space he's 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 just if you are facing that Clemson defense you want to get him in space put it that gotcha. way um, but he is a guy that, you know, he can get off blocks. Uh, he had that, I think it was him that he had that forced fumble, mm-hmm. uh, against Duke, uh, that, that kind of could have changed things if the Clemson offense took advantage of it. Uh, but he doesn't have big time speed, doesn't have, um, you know, some of the athletic traits that you look for in a first round linebacker. That's why I was a little surprised to see Trotter mentioned, uh, as a first round type of guy. I just, I didn't see that, uh, last year or on the Duke tape. Uh, and then Nate Wiggins, the the corner, who I'm super high on. He was my 12th overall player in my top 50. Uh, did a really nice job in coverage. Uh, I think really the only time he was tested was uh, the incompletion that I, I mentioned earlier, where yep. it was just good coverage and it was an incomplete pass. Big time liability as a run defender. Uh, gotcha. And that showed up several times uh, against Duke. So that's something he needs to get better at if he wants to be drafted as uh, as high as he you know potentially could be uh, next April. Yeah, that that... I know that's the thing is like I was I was really excited to watch Wiggins and I think I only saw his number once yeah. uh, like where I saw him, like like you said defend the pass uh, number, uh Sheridan Jones uh number six had had like a little PBU too but that's the thing is mm-hmm. again with Leonard that Duke offense you don't really get to see a lot mm-hmm. of digs and go balls and comebacks and everything that you maybe get to see those kind of advanced routes and feels and how they play those so no it's it's I, it was an interesting game it's a game. I'm glad sometimes to dive into the prospects early because they got that wouldn't have been a game if it was just NFL had me. I would not have paid much attention to, but knowing just Clemson, what Duke had, um, you know, maybe some, oh, just especially along the lines, especially at the quarterback position, also helps the commentators are really putting over Riley Leonard. There was like, there, that really helps too. If you ever notice, yeah. if you ever listen to Red Zone Channel too, it's like Scott Hansen can, does a, goes a long way in putting players over. So that really oh, yeah. s- goes into people's brains and that's what sticks. So, um, yeah, a, yeah right. it, it was, uh, no, it was, it was a fantastic weekend, especially all what? these quarterbacks. Like they all just kind of like did nice things where I'm not like, oh, throw them out, throw them out. It's like, no, no, I got to keep eyes on all of them. And obviously they can't all keep up to this level of play throughout the season. But one thing to keep in mind about this weekend, remember NFL season doesn't start till this, this Thursday. Uh, So NFL teams, they, they're on the road. They, they, all, all eyes were on, you know, 
I talked to scouts that went to two games this weekend, three games this weekend, uh, because you could, you know, what else are you going to do? You're getting your, the season, you know, as a GM, as a, as a director, you know, you, even as an area scout, you have a chance to really take advantage of the spread out schedule. And a lot of them do. So there was a lot of NFL lies, uh, at these games. I think LSU, Florida state, probably the most, uh, with the future NFL talent that was on that field. Sunday yeah. night. So that, that was a, a really fun one to watch. Um, I didn't expect uh, a Florida State runaway in the second half with the way it played out. But, I mean, right. that, that offense is going to be a lot of fun to watch throughout the season. Yeah, let's, let's dive into that game. So, uh, I mean, really, sp- yeah, speaking of Florida State offense, uh, Keon Coleman. There you go, yeah. Dane. Look, look at you go. Uh, no, but Keon Coleman – Everything you kind of made him out to be. And I mean, he just really announced himself <laughs> on that stage. I mean, statistically, I test everything. Uh, but yeah, Keon Coleman was your receiver three, I believe, or receiver four? Three is three? Yeah. Four. Yeah. Somewhere, uh, somewhere there, around yeah. there. But uh, you had a high grade on him. How about that? Uh, yeah. but he was a he, top 30 guy. Okay. Yeah. Top 30 guy. First round pick, yeah. first round grade. Uh, really after Marvin Harrison Jr., who Ohio State kind of had a wonky game, but it's like, I'm not. The stats, I, I know what Marvin Harrison Jr. is, but right. we talk about QB3 kind of race. The receiver two race is going to be something mm-hmm. we keep an eye on every week this year because, again, there's different flavors in this class. So, Keon Coleman announced himself. What did you like about Coleman? I know we dove into him a little bit, but what did he show uh, this weekend that kind of like had you such a high grade and maybe probably even keeping that high grade or ascending it? Yeah, again, if you listen to Prospect of Pros, you knew about Keon Coleman uh, All about well in advance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was arguably the best player on the field. Um, that's saying a yeah. lot with, with the amount of NFL talent that was out there. Finished with nine catches, 122 yards, three touchdowns. I, I think he really liked how those three touchdowns, the first one was it's a simple slant that yeah. he beat the, the the corner to the ball and but then he yeah. made a safety miss. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So you 6'4", 215, but that's he's it. not just a you know that's, a big guy that can't. That's move not out quote there. unquote how he should win. But like yeah. so, if they can create that way, it's like oh boy, and you're not just a ball winner. Hell yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's, let's but go. he also is a ball winner. Yes. So <laughs> when you have him single covered, he's open, right? Especially with those red zone uh, opportunities. Uh, the second two touchdowns, they were both. Uh, uh, just really corner routes that he yeah, so. just, uh, my guy's better than your guy. And uh, use that body. You can see that basketball background. Mm-hmm. And again, this goes back to last year, watching Jaden Reed at Michigan State. And this other guy just kept drawing my eyes because the freaky athleticism at that size, the high upside traits, um, powerful, explosive. Uh, I, he's a guy that I think a lot of people you know, maybe didn't know about like, okay, yeah, yeah he's talented, but oh, he actually is this good. Yeah. Keon Coleman made a, a really strong case to be that wide receiver too. And that, that's a great point because yeah, Marvin Harrison, wide receiver one, lock it in yeah. wide receiver two, definitely a little more wide open. Malik neighbors had a pretty quiet night for LSU. Um, Ibuka at Ohio state mm-hmm. uh, also had a quiet uh, opener. Uh, but yeah, again, like, like you alluded to Ohio state, breaking in a new quarterback, yeah. breaking in a, really a brand new offensive line with the, those two new tackles, new center. And, and, you know, it was pretty obvious. And so Ohio state, even though it was not an exciting opener, it, it might take a few weeks for them to get going. That matchup they have with Notre Dame in a few weeks is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but you know, the, definitely the, the two Washington receivers, uh, I, I really like, them. yeah, yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're both in that uh, top 60, top 75 conversation with yep. a chance to keep moving up. So, yeah, this is a receiver class that it's maybe not as uh, 
you know, we don't have the, the no doubt about it guys in the top 10, except for Marvin Harrison Jr., but there's a lot of quality, a lot of really talented guys that uh, are going to end up going in the first round. It's just a matter of, okay, what's the, what's the order going to be uh, by the time we get to draft day? It's so funny, too, co- compared to last year um, was – how many you know kind of smurfs were in last year's class and then this year it's like there's a lot of size there's there's some x's here there's some guys with some power slot potential so i'm all about it (laughs) i'm all about this class i mean but that i think that's why this kind of like you're saying that maybe it's not those star star power other than marvin harrison jr who is like as starry as you can get as a receiver prospect but it is a lot of useful players but like good players i i really i'm starting to really like this class really come around like even a guy like johnny wilson had a good game and like kind of you know and he's more of a you know round three-ish kind of guy round four-ish for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) at this point in time but it's like but he did some nice things like he actually looked yeah. a little more fluid it was nice but where, where do you see a guy like because he's six seven two thirty five like he's he's very unique uh yes. as a wide receiver um like what, what kind of role do you see him as an f do you see him as a like what kind of role do you think he may be best at the next level i actually i love that what you're just saying with the f as a move around guy it's funny yeah. it's like you would think he's an x but no i think i see him as a z because you want him off ball um, right. So he, you don't want him pressed because because of that height and everything. That's why I've seen there's not that functional strength off the ball sometimes. Um, and also with the move around stuff, that's better against zone, which in a weirdest way, you almost got to look at him like a tight end, even though he's not, I'm not saying right. he isn't the move tight end or anything, but how to use him. Like he's a zone beater. It's, it's, you're using him almost like Hawkinson <laughs> as opposed yeah. to maybe, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, so that's kind of how I kind of picture him. I picture him as a, like a role playing Z kind of number three upside I don't know, like a good offense like number three mm-hmm. option i should say so yeah fz as opposed to x which is just so weird usually six seven you're like x <laughs> all day he's unique yeah he's he very is yeah a really unique guy it's it's gonna be he fun is. watching a florida state offense the rest of they're the year awesome. uh yeah they're, they're a lot of fun i, I mean, didn't realize they set with their offensive the line like uh, they have a veteran late in the offensive line and stuff yeah. like that so it's, it's obviously mike norvell offensive guy offensive background um you know that's that's gonna be a lot of fun to watch I mean, speaking of tight ends Kate Stover, who my top ranked yeah. senior, I know a guy you really like. Uh, he had career high, 98 yards uh, in the opener against Indiana. He looked good. He had five yeah. catches. All five went for first downs. Uh, oh, yeah. 19.6 boot like the hell yards out of per them. catch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got no, on the move. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, they were after he, he breaking some tackles out yep. there. Um, you know what? I, I think his 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 run blocking uh in particular needs to be a little bit better uh you know it, it was okay but definitely not great uh you know I, I, he has the strength he has mm-hmm. the attitude to fix those issues and i love his pedigree i mean he was an all-state basketball player in high school and honestly he cares about two things ball and farming that's it he doesn't care about anything else and so he has one of the best nicknames in college Should have been football. a badger <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Farmer Gronk. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. No, uh, so this great. is this is a dude that a lot of teams are going to be interested in uh, come draft time. Oh yeah, no, yeah. There's he's he's a one of my theories with tight ends is just draft the biggest athletes and just hope it works out. And he's kind of like that in college, where because he's mixed moves moved around positions, right? Um, mm-hmm. Is that like you're saying? Is that he has the want to, the strength, the athleticism to be a good blocker? He has no idea how to use his hands. So it's it's one of those where it's not, but it's not like where it's like he's never going to figure it out. It's more like no, I'd, that's a bet I'm willing to make because what you're saying right. is that he loves football. So it's just like you're hoping that he gets better. So yeah, I know he he had a 
anytime you have your tight end at Ohio State, when you look at their offense the last couple of years, and it was just the top three receivers every time getting targeted 10 plus times a game, seeing the tight end lead the team in targets is something, is something interesting to watch. Um, any sure. any week two games, matchups, players that you're focusing on, Dane? I'm actually very curious to hear this answer because my uh, my day-to-day has – I've now I'm NFL-minded, so now i got to remember that Saturdays are available as well to watch some football, <laughs> much to my wife's chagrin. Right. Uh, well, the biggest game is going to be Texas at Alabama. Yeah. That, that's going to be the main attraction. Quinn Ewers, uh, the say, one guy maybe we, we – yeah. yeah, we didn't mention for that quarterback three uh, race – he was a little underwhelming against Rice uh, in the opener. There, there's no other way to put it. And, and you know, here are a few uh, numbers that I wrote down uh, to kind of illustrate that. So take away the screens uh, mm-hmm. against Rice. He completed only 52% of his passes. Okay. Uh, and it's not like there were a bunch of drops in there. Um, it was just uh, he just didn't look on time with some of these yep. throws. Um, I thought he did a really nice job when he was in rhythm. And especially when they used play action. All three of his touchdown passes came off play action. On the non-play action passes, completed only 53% of his throws. Uh, And then the final point, which, and this is a concern that I wrote about over the summer. We've talked about it before. The downfield touch, it remains just wildly inconsistent. He attempted six passes of 20-plus yards against Rice. All six were incomplete. So he has an awesome arm to make those throws, especially when he's in shorts and he's in practice. But I need to see a better feel for the timing, for the trajectory, to just complete those passes against live defenses. Uh, again, when you have to read, when you have to really, when, when timing is at the you know just the most important part of the play, I, I just need to see it. And so, can he do it against the best defense he'll face all year uh, in Alabama? Uh, that, that's something that will be fascinating to watch. It will, and I, I'm completely with you that. He underwhelmed me as well. That offense is a lot of two-man routes. Uh, You know, it's, you know, Sark does a really good job of adapting. And I think that's on purpose (laughs) is, hey, let's limit the menu, limit the options that he can go through. And that when Quinn Ewers is, I I think I always just have the misconception of his size. You know, he's 6'2", 200-ish. If you're not an overwhelming athlete, you got to win this way. You can't, you can't be like, oh, I'll just figure it out and trick shot it. It's like, no, you have to. Be an assassin from the pocket. That's the that's how he's going to have to win at the NFL level. So yeah. seeing that and seeing them limit the options and he's still kind of inconsistent. It's kind of a, especially with a really talented receiving room. It's kind of like okay, there's some really alarm talented. bells. Got, yeah, some yeah. alarm bells going off right now. I, I think well, initially, and we have to keep in mind too. It's not just about Ewers as a prospect and competing for quarterback three. Texas they have arguably the best quarterback depth chart in the country. Right. I mean, everybody knows about Arch Manning and what he might become with that last name. But Malik Murphy, uh, who's technically the backup, yeah. super, super talented. 6'5", 240, uh, kid from California. He redshirted last year, so yeah. we just haven't seen a ton of him. But from the little I've seen, he looks legit. And I'm not saying Ewers uh, is going to be benched anytime soon, but Sark knows what he has waiting in the wings. Right. And if Texas, if that Texas offense becomes even a little bit stagnant, It'll be hard for him to not at least say, hey, what else do we have here? So that's just something to watch as we get yeah. through the next two months. By the time we get to Halloween, you know, what does it look like? Um, and, and it really it starts this Saturday uh, against uh, against Alabama in Tuscaloosa. So uh, a few other games definitely we want to mention Nebraska at Colorado. Yeah. We'll see what Colorado does for an encore uh, instead of being that massive underdog. Been, now they're the darlings, right? You been, know? They're the favorite. They, yeah, they, were, they, they, they are. Seven- they're fa- 
they were seven point uh, underdogs to they're the favorite now. Right. Uh, that's right. <laughs> How does Dion use that? You know, like that's what I want to see because right. you know the and honestly, if you're one of the Colorado players. How do you not, you know, read your press clippings this week right. and see everyone talking about you? And how do you how do you look past that? And look, Nebraska, they looked rough against Minnesota in the opener. I, I heard a lot of Jeff Sims uh, hype in the summer. I'm still trying to figure out why. I mean, Same. I get it. He's he's big. He's a good athlete. But it's kind of where it ends, um, at least with what we've seen up to this point. So uh, I don't know. I, I just I, I need to see more from Jeff Sims before we talk about him as a draftable quarterback. Um, what else this weekend? Sam Hartman. Uh, you know, yeah, he's actually going to yeah. face a defense with a pulse. So that's, that's going to be fun to see. Uh, Notre Dame's going to NC I mean, State. Just throwing, throwing just touchdowns every right. other throw against yeah, Navy. It was like, oh my God, this is, this is right yeah. us against And then uh, what, this was Tennessee State this UNLV. past weekend. So okay. Yeah. Yeah. What the numbers are ridiculous, but against NC State, uh, first time he's going to face an actual defense. What's it look like? Um, Ole Miss at Tulane. Uh, again, Michael Pratt, I'm, especially when you face a big time opponent, if you're a group of five team, uh, GMs, directors at the end of this year, when they say, all right, let's throw on some tape of yeah. Pratt. Oh, Ole Miss is on the schedule. First one. Boom. Up. Let's watch that yep. one. It, it guaranteed. And so it's a crowded quarterback year. Like we've talked about, you have a big stage like this. You need to play well. And so for Michael Pratt, this is going to be a big weekend for him. Uh, Oregon at Texas Tech. Uh, we'll see Bo yeah. Nix. Uh, you know, what is, you know, Texas Tech, they lost to Wyoming this past week. So I'm not actually sure how good they are, but love it. Mahomes, not an Josh Allen play. Yeah, that was a lot of fun for them. I mean, that's, I, I didn't see Texas Tech losing that game, but, no. uh, hey, I mean, when you go to, uh, Laramie, you never know. Uh, but you know, Lubbock's a tough place to play. So, you know, Oregon going down there. Um, and look, they're more, more than just Bo Nix at quarterback. Uh, some of the weapons that he has, legit guys. Running back Bucky Irving, he rushed for 137 yards in the opener uh, on five carries. Uh, it, like, it was Portland State, but still 27 and a half yards per carry. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, Troy Franklin at receiver, he's a playmaker. Yes. He had 100-plus yes, yards, two touchdowns in the opener. So um, definitely some some good weapons. Your, uh, your, your Badgers, they're going out west too, Washington State. They are. They got Wazoo. They got a avenge uh, and that another interesting quarterback cam ward like cam ward. <laughs> it's just yeah. another one yeah i actually the wisconsin players that are standing out to me the most are their two linebackers and uh, that that I'm, I'm very interested they actually like look look the part so i uh, know the badgers that's who i'm focusing on usually it's i'm just looking and muttering to myself about their offense the last few years that was tough because i could tell you every play call and i would still right. mutter to myself now actually i kind of have this weird like okay i don't know anybody anymore so yeah all right i could be i could actually be a fan and a lump so i know the but linebacker that, that, is the number 55 it's just a really hard name to pronounce and yes. then who's the other linebacker uh one well and the one got in trouble too so that's why i don't want to okay. like stay i know uh, so gotcha. i'm i'm making sure i'm clarifying which one i anoint <laughs> before gotcha, that's why gotcha. i'm just grouping them both together but really honestly okay. if you watch last year they 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 looked like the real deal and they used them really well so i'm actually those are guys i'm most interested in i i'm, I'm glad we're bringing up pratt a bunch though because i'm i'm glad i rewatched him and it was his foot footwork looks tighter um he looks more comfortable like throwing outside i would see that sometimes where i could tell he wasn't comfortable throwing so he, um it's kind of a, a guy will have a really strong arm on, on throws they're comfortable with. And they're like, oh, I know this dig route. I throw it 100 times of practice. And then there's a concept. Okay, I have to throw the sail corner route. And okay, I'm going to loop that out there. And I hope I'm right. And Pratt, obviously going 14 to 15, it was just 
oh my god just dialing dialing it up that ball was zipping out of his hand and you could see it was like even though i play like the flea flicker for the touchdown right you can see his athletic ability because he flips his hips and then launches it and it's like that's not an easy ask because he's working left it's like yeah it'd be like a bootleg left where you have to flip your hips so that yeah i know i was i was happy i rewatched Pratt because he he really showed out i think and that's a great point about the big games coming up so well he's just a guy that i i no matter, like, I don't know what his ceiling is necessarily. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he's going to start games in the NFL, but I know he's going to be on an NFL roster. Like, Absolutely. He just has the makeup and the tools, he's the tough. baseline tools to be yeah. to, to be a guy that's going to win a roster spot. So, um, I he, mean, I, he wins. He's fun. tough. He's got enough arm. He's athletic enough. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that that teams are going to love that. He checks all the like baseline boxes right. you want. Right. Well, yeah. it, it's funny because in the summer I wrote down Bailey Zappi, which, of course, he – didn't make the active active roster, so you know I don't know what that says anymore. But uh, you know, but just a guy that it's easy to like, you know, because he's going to make yeah. smart decisions. Uh, he's going to keep the ball out of harm's way, and he just might might not wow you, uh, you know, week in week out, snap in snap out. But he's a guy that you can trust, and yep. that's something that's pretty valuable to NFL teams on the depth chart. It goes a long way. Uh, <laughs> they they want reliability and toughness. And that's right, that's right. if you can bring that, you can play for a decade. Uh, we have a new co-host that that uh, is getting preached about that, with Chase Daniels. So there you go. Um, yeah. All right. So moving on from we got the NFL starting up. We Robert and I will be doing an awards our award show. I believe it will be coming out Thursday morning. Uh, so I don't want to spoil my picks, but. That doesn't mean we can't ask Dane on some of his selections. So we'll do offensive rookie of the year. So Dane, right now, we'll start. I'm sorry, offense and defensive. I'm sorry. Yeah. But we'll start with offensive rookie of the year. Dane, who is, is your selection for offensive rookie of the year? Or do you have a couple or do you have a long shot you maybe like? Or is it just chalk with maybe a, a name that <laughs> that might be up I, there? <laughs> like, I hate going chalk, but I, uh, I, I mean, I got to go with Bijan Robinson here. Yeah. Uh, there's obviously a little bit of an unknown element where – we don't know exactly what the plan will be like for uh, just usage and mm-hmm. touches. Um, and, and sometimes it, I, I, I hate saying this because it sounds like a cop out to, you know, oh, well, they drafted mate overall. So that's all the evidence I need. But I'm just a big believer in Bichon's talent uh, right. and how it's going to translate to the pro game, especially this offense. Um, so, I, you know, there, there is a part of me that wants to say Jameer Gibbs here in Detroit because I he could easily have 100 targets uh, this right. year. Um, the quarterbacks are obviously interesting, uh, but you know, it's especially Anthony Richardson, um, you know, that, that's a really interesting, uh, situation that could play out and, you know, best case scenario, he could be the answer here, but I'm going to go Bijan. If we're looking for like a long shot, uh, Dalton Kincaid, he's, he's plus 4,000 and that's, that's really interesting. Um, it's, it's hard for tight ends to win this award, but you know, we think of Kincaid as more of a, that one, was it? But the Shockey win? Shockey, I think Shockey was a. That's I think that's the only one that yeah, comes to my mind. There, there's so many different rookie. You know, there's the Pepsi Rookie of the Year award. There's <laughs> right. the AP. Yeah. You know, like I, I think Shockey won one of them. Okay. Uh, but but yeah, before that, I mean, you probably have to go back to the '80s. So it's just yeah, it's 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 not something we see often. Uh, but you know, again, Kincaid, we've talked about it more of a pass catcher than a true tight end. Yep. And I, again, this is a cop out, but the Bills didn't draft him in the first round, so he can make an impact three years from now. You know, they need him exactly, now yeah. and they're going to feed him early and often. So if he, even if he doesn't have the amazing, you know, numbers in terms of just total yards and targets, if he has eight touchdowns, like, you know, that's something that will stand out. That's double, that would be double the amount of touchdowns that uh, Garrett Wilson had last year when he won the award. So um, I, I, I'm going with Bijan, but 
for in terms of the the betting odds, Kincaid's an interesting one. That is an interesting one, especially they're already peppering him in the preseason, designing plays for so, him. So it's kind of like, yeah. okay, <laughs> this isn't this is wasn't just an idea from the personnel staff. It's like, no, the coaches right. wanted this too. So that no, that's a great pick. Yeah, it's they, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna feed him. I don't want to spoil my pick, but it's not gonna be too dissimilar no. <laughs> from you. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, it's it, but just laying it all out. I mean, it's a really interesting class because there's quarterbacks, because there's interesting, even interesting receivers too that can have beyond good offenses. Like, I mean, that it's. It's an interesting offensive rookie of the year class, even if like there is one guy that might be, get fed to it. What was your? Did you? I don't think I ever heard your. Did you have a comparison for Bijan with anybody? I I I know comparisons can be good sometimes, and sometimes it's stupid. But did you have a good one? Because I I never really had a good one that wasn't outlandish. So I was curious if you ever had one. I'm trying to rack my brain. I don't think I ever came up with one that I same. I really liked, or you know, like that. It was more like you see shades of this, shades yeah. of that, but it wasn't. That's where like, I was at. Yeah, because I mean, I, I like who was the most popular? Uh, like a lot of people said Saquon. I think that was yeah, just because no, Saquon yeah. was the most or the most recent back taken. But Bijan has 10. way better vision and and tempo yeah. than Sa- and not Saquon. Quite the same athlete. Athlete. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, but people. Yeah, some so people I, went I LT, but it's also like. Comparing anyone to LT is like, oh, come yeah. on, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's like a once in a lifetime guy that I think people don't realize. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so, I, I know. Who was your comparison? I, I didn't really have one. Like I was okay, like, yeah. I was like, there was some running like as a runner. There was, but different type of athlete again is with Jamal Charles, just as like how he kind of had that mm. gliding running style. But it's, you know, but that wasn't great because Jamal Charles is like a 4 3 guy, you know, with a, you know, like had real, real long juice. So I didn't really have a good one. Like, and yeah. that's a different size skill set. But that was more just style of running. I, 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 I was kind of like TBD and then I just never had to answer it. So I just kind of kept it TBD. If you have to force it, then it's really Don't not worth it. Let you it know? come to you. Like, just let it come to yeah. you. Yeah. I know. I, I used to have to do one for everybody on Bleacher Report. I would just be Ugh. pulling up some random names. I think, yeah. I, yeah, I, I think I did an Ashley Lily comp one time, and I was like, okay, that's enough for me. Uh, <laughs> shout out Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First round pick. Oh, uh, yeah. It was. All right. Now, moving on to defense. This actually yeah. is. This is a pretty interesting class. So it's wide I, open, I, right? Wide open. So I'm kind of yeah. curious where you're gonna what what your angle is maybe on this pick. I you know I think first reaction would be Will Anderson. Um, right. You know maybe one of the corners like Emmanuel Forbes, a guy that got his hands on a lot of footballs in college and probably will in the NFL. I'm gonna go with Will McDonald. Um, ah, and nice. look, I've got major questions about him as an every down player and like truly holding up as a run player and ultimately living up to being in the 15th pick. I mean I I was. Uh, I mean, I criticized the pick when it was made, um, yep. and I, oh, I still, <laughs> yeah, I, I still, I, I'm not sure it's going to work out. But in terms of like flash plays and the situation, yeah. I, I mean, look, you think about the rookie of the year award; it's all about narrative and stats, right? right. And McDonald's going to tee off in some of these pass rush situations. He's playing for a stacked defense. Uh, he's not going to be expected to come in and be the guy who plays, leads the team in snaps and. Um, you know, he's going to be more of a sub package player yep. and go get the quarterback and do it for a team that's in the playoff picture. So when yep. the dust settles, the voters are going to see a guy with near double digit sacks or maybe double digit sacks and helping a team reach the postseason. And I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Will McDonald ends up winning this thing. So uh, if I had to go with a more of a long shot on defense. I'll go with Brian Branch. Um, nice. You know, looking looking at some of these odds, he's plus 3,500. 
So, you know, pretty far down the list, it wouldn't be a surprise if he leads all rookies in interceptions. Um, and he should have strong tackle numbers too. And remember, it's a, it's a narrative-based award. Yes. And if that Lions defense takes a jump in performance, I could see, you know, voters looking at Branch and saying, oh, well, you know, give credit where it's due. He's helped this turnaround. And, you know, that's something that could lead him to an award like this. I like that. I, I He was my pick for a breakout player for the Lions. I tried to avoid rookies, but I had to give it to him. Uh, oh, yeah. j- just how they're going to use him, too. I think they're going to blitz him a bunch. And, and I, yeah, I actually love that fit for where he went and how how aggressive they're going to use him. I really like Brian Branch. <laughs> it was oh, like, he, I, he was a I top kept 20 comp- player for me. Yeah, I, mean, he I, was, kept, uh, I got it. I was like, I kept comparing, yeah. some, co- comparing them to Jimmy Ward. And everyone's like, oh, and I was like, no, that's a great thing. That's awesome. <laughs> I was yeah. like, just watch him in the slot. He's a monster. I, I love that one. Teams really I, overthought him uh, yeah, in the draft. I never process. got that. I mean, yeah, it just I I don't know if it was just because you, you couldn't put an exact position next to his name, and you yeah. know he, he used a little bit of this, a little bit of that, that kind of thing. But because like, every scout that I now. talked to in the Southeast, they they loved him. Like they yeah. they all spoke. They said, "Oh, the best DB in that Alabama secondary, uh, one of our favorite players in the draft." And then. Somehow he falls. You know, I just, yeah. I maybe the sell to the GM, the head coach about what his role, specific role is going to be, maybe is just a little bit uh, unclear. And so that caused him to fall. But I mean, heck, if you're the, if you're the Lions, it, and it's funny, you think about the, what, the first four players they drafted. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just shuffle Brian, them around and you feel better about it. Exactly. It. <laughs> right. Brian Branch, I think, was my highest rated of the four. Yeah. So it's just funny how that works. If he went 11, I would. I don't think anyone would have batted an eye. Everyone would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys need DBs. I get it, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. It's, yeah, I know. That's, right? It's funny how that works. Uh, no, I actually think the comparison maybe for your Will McDonald pick is Hugh Douglas winning offense or defensive rookie of the year mm. back in 1995. Didn't only wow. started three games and finished with 10 sacks. So yeah. we didn't go. have that's – That's a great pool. Jeez. Yeah, did not have snaps played back then because NFL used to think that was a competitive advantage uh, <laughs> until they changed it what, like 10, 12 years ago. So thank God they did. Um, so I can't tell you how many snaps he played, but I can tell you that he only started three games at that point in time. So Hugh Douglas, shout out to Hugh Douglas. Uh, but uh, that, I think that's all we got today. Uh, Dane, this yeah. was awesome. Uh, this was, again, we're week one recap of Prospects to Pros. We've got the award picks. Uh, Robert and I will be doing our award picks Thursday oh, I morning. I know. I uh, well, Hopefully I got some good ones there. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed a couple last year, so I'm pretty fired up about it. Uh, we, we'll also be doing, Robert and I, a live show on YouTube after uh, Chiefs Lions wraps up. We'll be back on our Sunday recap pods and Prospects of Pros. We'll be back every Wednesday for the rest of the year and all the way probably through the draft. So make sure you check us out. Thank you all for tuning in. I'll see you guys next time. This was the Athletic Football Show's Prospects to Pros podcast.